Welcome to the Farmer and Smurfit podcast. I'm Tommy Mead from County Mead and it's great to have you with me. It has been a hectic, hectic is the only word for a week here. It's the first week back in Smurfit, second semester. And yeah, we've been busy. We've been going to lectures, a lot of material. And I'm not going to bring all that material. I'm just bringing what I thought, you know, this really leads to a discussion. It's something worth chatting about. It's something worth talking about. It's the things you're... You know, you're going to remember it's the things that I find are somewhat entertaining and are somewhat a uh, curveball. It makes, makes you think, makes you start chatting to yourself. Oh, Jeepers, is that right? I don't know about that now. And maybe you'll disagree with me. Maybe you'll agree with something. I don't know. But it might stem a bit of a conversation. And sure, when everyone's studying online, sure, why not learn something while we're all chatting and while we're all cooped up is the way I see it. But... I don't have any guests with me at the moment because sometimes people think I'm a bit off centre. Now, I don't really know where to get that thinking. I think I'm a lovely fella like yourselves. But they want to see what this is all about. And so so do I because we're going to stay unedited, uncut and we're going to sort of figure it out as we go along. We're going to chat because we want to just be a meander. We want to be the thoughts. When when we hear something, where does the conversation lead? So yeah, we in a week where the inauguration in America, well, I don't know when you're listening to this, but the inauguration was this week. Joe Biden did his speech. It was very different to the previous fella. It was calm, relaxed, a little bit boring, I thought. But maybe I shouldn't be entertained by politicians, you know. Maybe that's something that's only happened in recent years. Should, should I be inspired I I don't know I don't know if I should be um I feel like I should be but it may, maybe that was inspiring the fact that it was so calm is the word I think maybe that is inspiring and we're actually going to discuss that because that came up in terms of strategy and getting the right fit for a job getting the right fit in terms of manager of a football club or a captain of a football club or even as a in terms of policy and when I say policy I don't mean to switch everyone off there now I don't mean policy in terms of all oh, going through paperwork and all this sort of stuff no I mean in terms of how to make change and how change is driven and you know it's not all about getting good results it's not all about what that manifesto sometimes it is about people are shouting and politicking and lobby groups and you know, we, there's a great example with Marcus Rashford of Man United. And yeah, we'll, we'll discuss that. Um, and yeah, a big thing that happened this week, which I think is wonderful, is we've done a course on entrepreneurship. And we're going to be setting up our own business. And I'll get to more of that. But yeah, I think entrepreneurship is a big aspect of this course. And this conversation, because... You know, I think formal academic education, that's where this gets lost, is the long and the short of it. I think it's like an oak forest where trees are growing tall and straight with no branches. And that's what formal education does. It makes everything uniform. But I think it's important to be the tree at the side of the forest with your branches or in the middle of a field. 
and it's important to branch out offer something new but we'll get we'll get into that more and i was talking to richard curran off dragon's den and just bring some of the stuff that he mentioned to me but yeah we're, we're, we'll discuss all that and um we'll see how we get on and hopefully we can get a few people in chat to us in the coming weeks so yeah but yeah with joe biden being inaugurated policy has been a big thing he was in there the oval office signing away and he seems to have the Senate and the Congress in terms of being Democrat. So a lot of things can change, whether they're good or bad. I don't know. Um, but that'll be a long-term thing to find out. But he seems to even... I heard his somewhat like Minister for Finance is quite conservative. But as he wants to be... a. Uh, a president for all of America maybe that's the right move maybe it's a good move to have someone that somewhat links with these Republicans in terms of business and corporate world so yeah maybe I'm wrong on that but that's something I heard uh, from an Irish Times uh, report but yeah so we'll figure that out but how does the policy in terms of Ireland and that and Marcus Rashford how is that affected you know and I'm saying it's not all about cost it's not all about What's effective? It's not about delivering results or technology or sometimes it's political. And we we seen that with um Marcus Rashford and how he really wanted the school meals in the UK to be rolled out even when during COVID nineteen. Now I'm not sure where Marcus is from in the UK but it seemed like that was a big deal to him. And he, and he put his name on the line for it. If, you know, like, no, everyone would go out doing such a big thing. And it, and it paid off. And he, he changed the UK government's stance on it. And I don't know if you watch, if you watch Piers Morgan, but he interviewed the health secretary, I think it was, about why they changed their mind and did they regret not doing this. And it was quite entertaining. Whether you like Piers Morgan or not, I was... I was entertained. Um, But yeah, it showed how much food policy is important. It's a necessity. Because now a corporate world and capitalist world would say eventually a company will see that there is a demand there for food and they will meet that demand and it creates business and, and an enterprise and it'll be manufacture itself. But that doesn't really work because some of these people might have had the money to make a business implement change here and therefore policy was important. Now locally here we have the common agricultural policy cap and some people like it and some people hate it and you know I don't know if they hate it but like what its aim is to make sure farmers get a good income and also ensure we produce food safe food and good food for Irish people and European people and like who can argue with that but maybe how it's uh, been effective has it been rolled out correctly there's where there could be inefficiencies that people might argue but but there's New Zealand they scrap subsidies altogether but that, that's another conversation maybe that's something I'll put to some of the Smurfit lectures and report back on my findings or well, not really findings more just a discussion but yeah that that's interesting but you see really what it's down to is that government feel these are things that are too important to be let 
the free market just control them, that they have to be regulated in some way. But are they the experts? Um, I often feel, now this is just my opinion, that perhaps politicians don't actually live in the real world. You know, that they're creating policy for the ordinary Joe, yet they're not the ordinary Joe. So when I think of hospitals and should your Minister for Health be a doctor? I don't think so, because you'd just be looking for all the money and that. But but should it be someone that runs hospitals or used to run a hospital? Yeah, I think that makes sense because they have experience in the real world. But like, same Minister for Agriculture, should that be the president of the IFA? I don't think so, because they'd just be looking for all the money and that doesn't add up. But but should it be someone involved in the food industry and perhaps continue to be involved in the food industry or owns a farm? Yeah, I, I think that makes sense because sometimes the blackboard, all this stuff is wrote on a blackboard and I'm sure they have their advisors advising them as they would. And sometimes they write up the playbook, but sometimes the playbook doesn't work. As it was once said by a famous boxer, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face and then you have to figure it out from there. So, you know, sometimes you actually have to live it. It's like we have a homeless crisis, but I don't know how many of our population are homeless. You know, they create the rules for it, but do they live it? Do they walk the walk? You know, I think it's important to practice what you preach as well. But that that also links. Now to my second thing, which, and we're going to get to entrepreneurship, but, and and my chat with uh, Richard Curran and why I was, um, I, why I had to change my whole discussion altogether with Richard but but this what previous thing linked to the strategy and and how you implement strategy you know it's it's about getting that goal having that goal inside striving towards it but it's also about realizing the environment and where you are positioned and what resources you have you, you know and then you implement you know, there's a, there's a difference between planning and strategy in terms of everything, in terms of business, corporate planning, or even in terms of football. It's not like a manager of a, a GA team comes down and says, we want to play a blanket defence here, which means just get everyone back. Because he might come in and say that. Maybe he looked at the resources. Maybe he said, look, we have a lot of young team and they're very fit and they can run up and down up and down and be no bother to them right but that's not just the long and the short of it you know that might you might become the best at you might become the most efficient at but what will the opposition do is it good enough for them you know that's why an awful lot of teams like the Carries or the Donegals or that say we're making a team and a system to beat Dublin because, and, and I know people say, oh, yes, yeah, it's all about next thing. But no, no, that makes sense. Because it's important to know what the opposition are doing. It's important to be able to structure a team in terms of knowing where you are positioned. And and if we if we take a corporate example, think of the Nokia, right? Everyone used to have a Nokia, a Blockia, right? And they were the market leaders out on their own. Sure, no one could compete with them. How, how could you? You wouldn't even bother. They have all the resources, they have all the money, they have all the expertise. But between 2009, I think, or no, was it 2012, 2016? 
Yeah, 2012-2016, the four-year period, they dropped roughly 90% of their shares, the value, because they took their eye off the ball. They weren't looking into the future. They weren't looking at the environment. They weren't looking at the long term. And and you had iPhone and you had all these touch phones came out. Now, now Nokia still had a, all the expertise, all the brand. They had all the resources. But they took their eye off the ball. They took their eye off the environment. Like, I'm sure they knew what was going on, but they said, no, that won't compete against us. You know? And it's the same with the football. And I suppose, like, when we looked at Nestle this week, and you might know Nestle in terms of your cereal or whatever, but Nestle are a huge food company. Huge. Massive. And what their experience was, in a way, somewhat links to the presidential elections back in 2016. But I'll get to that. But in 1967, Nestle created infant formula and that was a start and then they gradually grew and acquired and became a huge brand one we recognise that's what's so important to them that loyalty to that brand so when you go into a shop you say to yourself I'm going to buy that I'm going to pay extra for that because it's a Nestle product and it's one I can count on and that's how they make their money and their leaders their CEOs are long term focused they're always looking to the future They spend so many millions and millions on research because they're looking, not now, but they're looking at 2050. And currently they have a health, nutrition and wellness program, which that's their base. And and that's why so many other companies all around Europe and America are looking in terms of health, nutrition and wellness and saying, oh, this is where it's going. But that's where Nestle were going back a decade ago. They have already, they don't act quickly because they're so far ahead. They've acted early is the whole thing because they've done so much research, so much development. By the time they actually roll out this whole nutrition, wellness and health area, they've already done all the background. So you think you're keeping up with the fast guys. You're not. They're already miles ahead. And, and that's how they work. So yeah, they might act quick and work quickly on the ground level. But in the background, that's how far ahead they are. And it takes time to organise that. But it's about the leaders. And they always bring up their CEOs from the company. They want veterans. They want people to understand the business. And in 2008, they brought up Paul Bullock, who was a veteran. Worked there for years became CEO, worked a year under the CEO just to make sure he understood everything, health, nutrition, wellness, brand, the whole lot. And then for the next eight years when he was there, he managed that, he made it efficient, he worked it well. But he he didn't lead it. He was more like a caretaker. And and that sort of, that, that left him behind. That wasn't future focused. That wasn't leading. And actually another person went for that job, another man by Paul, Paul Polman. And in 2009, Unilever decided we'll get him to be our CEO. And he was counted one of the best CEOs. He made them future focused. He bet on demographics. He said, look, there's going to be a lot of people living in uh, poor developing countries. We're going to 
go for there. That's what Nessie were sort of doing as well, but, but he changed Unilever's ethos. Counted one of the best. And Nessie noticed they missed a trick and they decided, broke all tradition, Brian a fella from a pharmaceutical company in 2016, Mark Schneider. It seems to be doing well. But but it needs that change. It needs that shift in order to be future focused, in order to lead. It's not the same old, same old. Eventually you'll fall behind. Because maybe doing A plus B plus C works now, but will it work later on? You know, you need you need to keep looking long term. And 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 that's sort of what America did in twenty sixteen. They elected someone with no experience in the political world. Now that might sound stupid, but maybe that makes sense. Maybe maybe Trump, however, was too off the mark in terms of he was it wasn't close to politics at all what he was doing. Although you could say sure he had plenty of dealings. You know? But but that ethos in terms of getting someone that's new, fresh, that's important. And not to be overlooked in any way. And and, and that sorta of is an almost uh, entrepreneurial aspect. And uh, and this is where we get. Because that entrepreneurship that's something I closely linked with Ireland. You know, we went off, we captured the American dream, we you know, we know how to struggle. But I met Richard Curran, host of Dragon's Den, which would be like Shark Tank over in America. And I asked him, you know, what what has made the Irish so great in terms of entrepreneurship? And he went, we're not. And I said, what? And he said, no, we're, we're not that great in terms of entrepreneurship compared to other countries, respectively. Like. And I was blown away because... I was after writing, you know, I, I had all my questions laid out, what I was going to ask him, because it was more like an interview rather than this, this is more like a, a goosey gander. But he said, no, he said in Dragon's Den, almost a third of the people that came in, they weren't from Ireland. They, didn't, they weren't born in Ireland. That, that the majority, like a huge amount of people that entered New business ideas were from outside of Ireland. So you can't say that it was because we don't have enough of a market. You can't say it's because the political balance that it's not funded rightly. No. It's something societal. That That's all I can imagine this. And, and Richard even said, we're too academic. We're too worried about how people perform and leave insert. Then getting a degree then getting a good job and that's the way we've worked it and that's the way we always worked it and therefore when necessity is the mother for invention we don't have the necessity because we done this we we went and we got a job we didn't entice people to become set up their business you know we we look, played the safe game and maybe that's right maybe for a lot of people you know that worked out but it's not in terms of growing our startups. You know, and, and, and that blew me away, you know. But the entrepreneurship course we were doing this year, it, it's interesting because we actually have to go out and set up a company. We have to go out and 
get all the forms in terms of finding funding. Do all this, step by step. But I was sort of wondering, well sure, why stop there? I think sure, sure shouldn't we keep going? And that that's my thinking. Like we we haven't come up with an idea or anything yet. But that that's my thinking at the moment. You know, this entrepreneurship and, and we were recommended a good book and it's called The Lean's Startup. And and I've read a bit of it and it's interesting because they say how most startups fail and this book explains, well, why do they fail? Because that's what I think is interesting because it's easy writing about things that work out and sure didn't they do everything right you know it's, it's sort of like Nestle although Nestle ended up somewhat failing because you know sure once once everything works out you did everything right but to, to actually see why something fails that that's interesting now that that's something we can learn from because you, you do say you learn more from your mistakes but I, I think we'll get a few people in we'll talk a bit more about that you know this entrepreneurship trying to be creative we need to try and find a problem, try and solve that problem, be, try to be innovative. And then we'll try and see how, how we would go about forming it into a business. And and hopefully we'll pick something that, I think it's important to pick something that will work. You know, there's only so much talking about stuff I feel you can do in academica. I think it's important to actually go and do it. So so we'll, we'll do a bit of that and hopefully we'll get a few people in. Now, if you're listening to this a month behind or end, still write a comment, write a review, give a thumbs up or whatever. And that's a way of contacting me to let me know what you think was good, if you think there's more information. Because there's so much more stuff that could have been talked about. But I just thought, what was interesting? What would lead to a discussion? And I thought that was, this was interesting. Hopefully we get a few people in um, and chat. Hopefully they like the way this is going. And all the best. I'm Tommy Mead from County Mead, and this is the Farmer and Smurfit podcast.